I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design with another chapter of The Showroom, a limited series presented in partnership with Walker Zanger. This is The Showroom with interior designer Gail Davis. Gail Davis is an extraordinary designer. She is equally talented, a conversationalist. And I don't say this lightly. If you know me, If you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that I take great pride in bringing you quality conversations that inspire you, challenge my guests, and provide takeaways that showcase the stories behind sublime design. That being said, Gail is sharp as a tack. She and I share a low tolerance for BS and a fondness for a good bourbon. Sometimes they go very well together. And while no bourbon was consumed during this conversation... It might be in the future. We'll see. This is another installation of The Showroom, a partnership between Convo by Design and Walker Zanger. Enjoy this conversation with designer Gail Davis. A publisher's note. Due to tech issues, this conversation was abruptly and shockingly ended uh, due to a Zoom collapse. And if you're listening to this podcast, chances are over the last 12 to 14 months, uh, you have had similar online and virtual issues yourself. Listen, fortunately, it was at the end, and honestly, you might not even notice it. Thanks for downloading, streaming, and subscribing to the show. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do, so you don't miss a single episode of the show, like this one, with designer Gail Davis. Convo by Design is presented by Walker Zenger, a progressive brand that was built on a promise to provide designers, architects, and homeowners with the right materials to do their very best work. That promise is fulfilled every day through a commitment to provide the best ceramic, glass, stone, porcelain, and concrete surfaces and finishes. But it's more than that. Walker Zanger believes strongly in serving the trade with a trade program that makes the specifying process simple with the support you need. They've been staunch supporters of the trade since 1952. In 2020, I launched a series in partnership with Walker Zenger called The Showroom. This intimate interview series showcases some of the very best creatives in the business today. Please join us live or catch every episode recorded so you can enjoy it on your schedule. Walker Zenger is on the cutting edge of design featuring products for every style and architectural feel you can create. So check out any of their showrooms across the country or shop online. WalkerZenger.com all right. Well, welcome everyone. Thank you for joining Walker Zanger and Convo by Design in the showroom. We're excited to have Gail Davis join us today. Uh, just a reminder that uh, we ask that you keep your uh, microphones muted um, and use the chat feature for any co- uh, questions or comments that you may have. I'll be happy to interrupt Josh and ask any of those questions. Um, as appropriate. So with that, Josh, over to you. Awesome. Thank you, Erica. Uh, Thanks, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Uh, My name, again, Josh Cooperman. I'm the host and publisher of Convo by Design, a podcast for the design and architecture industry. Um, This is the showroom presented by Walker Zanger. Thank you very much to them for this opportunity uh, to speak with Gail today. A couple of things, just uh, housekeeping right at the top. Please make sure that your microphones are muted. And if you have a question, 
please go down to the bottom uh, to the chat feature and type in your question. And Erica will interrupt me as frequently as, and as often as she can. I think you kind of enjoy that a little bit, but um, I do too, actually. Uh, so we'll start with that. If you have any questions, please uh, make sure to ask plenty because they're, they're great and we appreciate them. Welcome, Gail Davis. Um, I'm thrilled to speak with you again. I, I'm really excited about this because you and I spoke, we met recently yes. where we were having a conversation about design podcasts. And I love that. And by the way, I will just say this. If you want to hear this conversation again, we're recording it and it will be presented as a, uh, an episode of Convo by Design. And so Gail, I actually want to start with this. One of the things that I love most is when designers take on the role of publisher. And I've talked about this a lot. If you're a designer and you have a social media site, if you have a, a podcast, you are a publisher. You get to define your own editorial content, your own editorial calendar, your own narrative, right? And so I'm curious, you're, you're deep into the podcast thing. You've been doing it for a while. How did you start it? Why did you start it? And what do you think of yourself as both designer and publisher? I'm just giggling at the publisher part because <laughs> I feel like I'm so far away from that. So how did I get started? I was out to dinner one evening um, with my friend Michael Adams and Courtney McLeod. And we were just talking about a lot of like designer stuff and just designer issues and, um, you know, just giving advice. And Michael goes, you give the best advice. You need to do a podcast. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And so we're still talking and drinking a lot more. And he was like, you should really do a podcast. And I was like, I don't know. And then on the train ride home, I'm like, huh, what would I call it? <laughs> you know, what would I say? Because honestly, I feel like I think it's just a regular conversation that I have with my friends. I didn't think anything, um, you know, out of it or amazing would come out of it. Um, and I just decided I went to anchor. I Googled, you know, podcast anchor came up, you know, and I was like, okay. Um, and then I just started doing it from my phone. And there was a guy that I worked with in my past life. He was like, he's a musician. He goes, I have a mic I need to give you. I paid way too much for it. I never use it. I use other mics and it's the wrong mic for what I do. And I was like, oh, okay. And of course he gave me a Yeti and I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. So I, you know, it's a Yeti, my iPhone, and my laptop. And that's exactly how I record. You know, it's, it's, it's basic. I'm, it's nothing fancy. Um, and that's how I got started. And I just felt like I wanted to tell the story from a designer's point of view, because you get business owners, you get novices, you get DIYers, but you never get someone who's like in the trenches daily dealing with the minutiae. And Design is not just pretty things, and especially if you're in business for yourself, there's also the back end of it that you need to make sure that you're being productive and that you're, you know, you're making money as well. So I just want to tell the story from, from the trades point of view and then from clients who hire and sometimes fire us <laughs> point of view. Well, I, I love that you're telling the story. What I love most is that you're telling it in your own voice. And... I think that that's really important because social media is great, but I would challenge any mm -hmm. creative, you know, most people you, you say, so how's the social media? How are you doing? I don't know anybody 
that's happy with their social media, even the ones that are performing at the highest level still wish that they could do something different and something better. I don't know that anyone's happy with their own social just because it's such a, it's a beast. It's just such a big thing to try to, it is right. With pod- and you have found, you got to find your voice and you've literally found your voice in the podcast. And I think it's great. What is the, what is the name of the podcast again? Just so everyone knows. Design perspectives. Okay. And I add an S to everything. It's just what I do. I, everything's plural <laughs> to me. Just an FYI. I was like, everything's perspectives or, you know, Gail Davis designs. Like it's all plural. There's a lot of me to give. So. That's all good. And, and if you want to go listen to it, go Google it, subscribe to it. It's, it's a great show. And I love that you're doing that. Um, I wanted to shift gears for a second and talk about um, mentorship. Mm. So with you in particular, so you, you mentored at Bunny Williams mm-hmm. and you also men- mentored um, David Kleinberg. David Kleinberg. Bunny, yeah. Bunny was the longer version. Okay, so it's really funny. I heard Bunny, I, I, I met Bunny last year at La Cienega Design Quarter during mm-hmm. Legends. And she was telling the story about her mentorship uh, mm-hmm. and her internship. She, she interned with, with Sister Parrish yes. and Parrish Hadley. Yes. And she, she said that you, she said something really interesting. You can learn a lot from the individuals who, who you are, men, who, your mentors, the people you are interning for. You can learn what you like, but more importantly, you can learn what you don't like. Yes. And, and she said that during her experience, Sister Parrish loved chaos and confusion and would, would sow <laughs> chaos throughout. That's just sort of how the firm ran. Right. And I, I thought that was really telling because she said, and that's when I learned that that's what I do not want. And so right. with, her, with her firm, it was very calculated and methodical. Doesn't mean it was any less creative or exciting. What did you learn? And you know, your those two firms, you you kind of started in the in the design version of this the CIA mailroom. You know, that, those are big names. That's really, a big, that's a big really? place. So I didn't even know who Bunny was. Let's go there. <laughs> so when I was trying to get an internship, and I was sitting in my art history class, and I was always I'm always in the front row and um my classmate Lisa was like oh well you know how's everything going have you found an internship and I said no and she was like you know and back in those days you faxed everybody um I'm dating myself with my age but I'm beautiful look at me uh, yeah you <laughs> so, are thank you so it was like oh so she was like well do you, you want to intern with me you can intern at Bunny Williams and I was like oh okay you know and <laughs> I was all right, so what do I do? She's like, give me your resume. I pulled it out. I gave it to her. And um, the next day I got a call. I want to say it was like that Monday. Uh, maybe it was Tuesday. If Thursday was the class, I think Friday I got the call. Monday or Tuesday I went in for an interview. Wednesday I got the internship. And I think Friday I started. So, you know, I was like, oh, I got an internship. And there was like, everyone's like, great, great. Where'd you get? I was like, Bunny Williams. And they're like, oh my God. And I was like, should I, should I be knowing that? Like, is that a big name? I don't, I don't know people. Hmm, should I know that? So I started there and my thing was shut your mouth and learn. You know nothing about this industry. You know, learn as much as you can, 
because you're going to go out on your own. Because I was like, I'm, I'm going to work for myself. But, you know, I always fall in love with people and then I end up working for them. Like, it, I'm fine either way. But I also realized in the, the design industry, people don't leave their positions. Like, they're, they're, they're lifers, you know. And um, I just put my head down and I, whatever she said, I hung on every word. And it's not just her, but she had designers. So there were four designers uh, that reported to her and each designer had a junior designer, they had a coordinator and then they had an assistant or, you know, the person that would go shopping and that would be me. So I was shopping for all four. Um, and under each individual designer, I learned something amazing. Like I, the one who I really reported to was just a beast. She was not a nice person. You know, even the clients were afraid of her her and her design assistant, we would just like be latching onto each other because we're like, oh God, here she comes. Like we would be having a great time and she would enter the room. You'd be like, oh my God. Um, then there was this other gentleman there and he has since passed. His name was Todd Gribben and just the most amazing laid back guy you could meet. Such an amazing design aesthetic, just such a great teacher um, there was Stuart Manger, who has since gone on his own. He was also amazing and just really gracious. And then there's Jonathan, who works there, who's just, he's like the secret weapon. And he can do everything. If whatever parties you see going on at Bunny's place or at John Roselli's place, nine times out of ten, that is, uh, that is Jonathan in the back creating the magic. Like he is the person, like, uh, you know, when it's holiday time, you pass Macy's and the windows are all done up. You're like, oh my God, that's amazing. That's Jonathan. And I learned so much from him, but I learned a lot because I would just sit back and I'll never forget we were in the library and I was working with this other design assistant, Michelle, and Bunny walked in and she was overseeing the project. And, you know, we had the library behind us with all the cubicles of fabric and just everything you needed. And um, Bunny was like, no, you need this pink, like bubblegum pink. And so, you know, Michelle's looking and then I looked over at the pinks and I pulled out something and Bunny goes, this is it. This is what you need. See how it lifts it. And you're just like, oh my God, like she really gets the space. Another designer, I can't remember his name. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. Um, that was there. He kept saying the pillows, the pillows. And she's like, enough of the pillows. You got to think of the room in its totality. And, you know, think about how it's used and how are these people like, where's the drinks table? Where are they putting their feet up? Where can they pen a note? It was just so amazing to see, like, people think design is pretty, but they forget about the functional part. They forget about the comfort as well, where you can tell the new designers because everything's shiny, you know, and that's how I came in. I came in very shiny and it was like an ongoing joke. And finally it has like left my system because it's more about form and function and it being comfortable. Now, Bunny was Sister Parish, right? And David was Mr. Hadley. He was Albert Hadley. So it was very interesting to go from her design aesthetic to now to go to his and just learn like the different side of it and just be able to meld the two together. So that's the long story of my mentorship. <laughs> so interesting too, a couple of things that you said. You said that when, and this is so incredibly quotable, it's, and it's true, new designers come in shiny and experienced designers have a, you have a, you have a patina 
Yes. And it, it takes a while for a patina, for you know, a beautiful patina to develop. Yes. You can't just come in and force that. You know, no. you, you, you have to sort of develop that and craft that over time. And it, you have to be patient as it comes. Yeah. So it's interesting too, because some of the things that you learn along the way, not just about the design, but you also learn how to work with the trades, how to work with the manufacturers, how oh, to work yeah. with your showrooms, how to work with your suppliers. And I think that there's such a value in that because someone will, you know, new designers, and I, we've seen this before, a new designer will come in and say, okay, I've got this huge client. So all of a sudden they've got this huge client. Now they view it as an elevated status and they're up at the top. It's not, it's not, a, it's not bad in, an, in and of itself because let's be honest, this is not my first career. This is my second career. I was in broadcast. When I started in broadcast, you know, right out of college, I thought I knew everything. I got a great job. I was wearing a suit. I had on a tie. I knew everything. You know, when, new, when a new designer will come into the business, they feel as though I'm here. I got my first client. It's a big one. They're, maybe they're a celebrity, right? So they know, they automatically know everything. So they go into a showroom and they start telling the showroom, you know, what they should do instead of actually reversing that. And I'm curious how, how you sort of learned through that process and what you like most and how you sort of um, craft those relationships with your vendors and suppliers and trades. Well, first off, one of the biggest lessons that I also learned at Bunny was to listen. Um, I think too many, like, you know, we talk about new designers, like a, a lot of new designers come in and they're like, I'm gonna put my stamp on it. And you have to remember, remember that it's the client's home. Like it should look nothing like you. It can have a residue or, or like some type of print, an imprint, but it should not be, you know, you look and you go, oh, that's, you know, that's Gail Davis. Like it, it should really read the client. It should, a home should look like the family just moved in, not that the designer just left, if that makes sense. And Working with the trades is really, you have to find your family because that's what they become. Because now they get to understand the, you know, who you are, what you expect, you know what to expect of them. And finding the right trades people is really time consuming. It's not just like, oh, I found this guy, he's really good, great, we're gonna bring him in. You know, it's, it could be, I found this person, Wow, are they going to show up on time? Wow, this person doesn't show up on time. Not only does he not show up on time, he leaves early. <laughs> he also takes an extra long break. And you're asking, where is he? You know, you give a punch list or you walk through the punch list of what needs to be done and they don't do it or they halfway do it. You know, uh, one of the jobs that I was on, I have, uh, I forgot the, what I call it, but anyway, it's basically like a punch list and it's going through and, um, it's just saying uh, what needs still to be done and who has signed up, which trade has signed up. And I have the deadline of when it's going to be done. And so the homeowner knows everything that's going on. And I'll never forget it. I was working with um, the project manager and they were so annoyed with me because <laughs> my client's spending money. And yeah, you came in with the tradespeople or with whoever she decided, this contractor to um, work with. And you're, you're a part of that team. But I mean, we showed up as a morning meeting on Sunday and I had a deficiency list, I call it. So I had my deficiency list. I was writing out everything. 
And the, the trade, the project manager shows up with a cup of coffee. And then she turns to me in front of my client who she called the meeting with my client and goes, are you getting this? And it was funny to see like my client's eyes just get really big. And, you know, I, I said, no, I got it, whatever. you like, I already had everything written down. When that meeting was over, my client was like, you've been amazing. Thank you. Don't worry about this. Go on. She's like, I need to speak to her. And next thing I knew, like she just mauled the woman. But you have to, you know, when you take people's money, you have to show up. You can't half-ass do something. And you can't be like, well, I'll get to that, get to that another day. If you told your client, this is what you're going to do and this is how it's going to happen. And the tradespeople are like on board, then that's what you do. Because you also, the faster you move through this, the more accurately you move through it, the faster you get the job done, the quicker you get paid. And then you can move on to your next, you know, your next job, your next location. To be going back and forth is just utterly ridiculous to me that you don't find good tradespeople or you're always concerned about, are they going to show up? Are they going to do the job right? Am I going to have to be there watching them all day and walking them through? Am I going to have to remind them they have to clean up the place? Am I going to have to remind them to like cover, you know, all the new wood floors instead of like the same client? I walked in and the people are walking all over the brand new wood floors. I'm like, no covering. Put down the marble, no covering. They have like their work gear on and I'm like, oh my God, you know? So it's super important to find trades people that are your tribe, that get you and make them sign. You know, I have a trade agreement of like, this is how I work and this is how I anticipate you to show up. This is what I expect from you, you know? And we work from there. So I hope that answered well, your question. No, it, it, it did. <laughs> it, it's interesting. It did from the trade side and I totally get that. On the flip side of that, because you had mentioned, you know, the marble is laid and people are coming in. And I also think from the showroom side, you know, we have spoken about this before on the showroom, especially as it relates to Walker Zanger. You know, sometimes uh, one of the things that I've seen the really, really accomplished designers do, and I know that you do this too, we spoke about it, is you don't go in like when you go into a showroom, when, when you go into a Walker's Anger, you go into another showroom, you don't go in and say, okay, I know exactly what I want. Here's what I want. Here's what I want. Here's how I want it. There are almost, there are more questions than comments right. because you realize it's like, if, if we want to go with this particular marble or this particular tile, can I use it this way? Here's what no, I want to do. And then they can, they can tell you, yeah, you know what? You can ask your fabricator to do this. And then you basically, it makes your job so much easier, does it not? Yes. No, my God. I don't ever walk into anyone's showroom thinking that I know everything. Um, and I ask a ton of questions because one, I need to cover myself, but I also need to educate myself. And just because you like marble doesn't mean it needs to go all over in your house. Like <laughs> you need to, you also have to th remember that whatever you put in the house, you have to, there's maintenance. How much maintenance is it going to be? If it's going to be a lot of maintenance, then show me one that's like mid-range to like bare minimum. And then show me what I'm supposed to clean it with. I want to know that. I want, like, I can, I cannot even begin to tell you how many times I've walked in and, and they'll have their cleaning people doing, they're like, oh, it just fell apart. I don't know what happened. You need to speak to your vendor. And I'm like, well, how were you cleaning it? No, no, we were just using the stuff that we normally do. And I'm like, let me see. And then you're like, oh, sweetie, bleach. No, no. <laughs> you know, super important. It's, it's, 
you need to know what you're you're doing and you you need to know how everything operates you just can't go in i know everything well it's interesting and you know something else that's interesting too and i i want to sort of shift gears and talk about showcase houses for a minute okay Backing up from that, I think there's something really interesting that's taking place right now. There's something really interesting happening. And I, I think it's happening without us really noticing, um, sort of twofold. What I want to get to later in our conversation is sort of designer as activist. Okay. Um, because it used to be, to my experience, many in, in the trade would say, oh, I don't want to talk about that because I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to rub people the wrong way. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to stand out in that way. And I'm starting to see people, um, very much present company included, who, ha <laughs> who, who have gotten to the point where you've what said, you, you know what? About, oh, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I want to be heard. I have a story to tell. I have a message and I want to be heard. And if you're not going to hear me talking like this, then I'm going to raise my voice until you do acknowledge me. And I think that there's some amazing thing, things happening. But also, have you noticed that we do many more events like the one we're doing today, right? Mm -hmm. So this virtual event. In the past, we would get together and do this at showrooms, but it would be very surface level conversations for, for the most part, not like we're getting so in depth these days. And I, I read an article about schools and mm -hmm. how school kids are sort of, their, their educational processes is being retarded to some degree because um, it, the, the education industry ground to a halt and it stopped progressing. So basically a learning, process would start here and right. it, it they may lose four months of their education and have to sort of step back and it got me thinking you know that kind of happens is happening in every industry our own included mm. what's really kind of cool is that the showcases and design houses maybe out of necessity have said you know what we're still going we're still going we're still putting this out and i feel like design houses are such a wonderful learning experience and we've talked about this and i wanted your take on the designer showcase the design house experience wow so my first show house was grace's house and that was in plainfield and that was for a nine-year-old who um had brain cancer it's gone um and that was for the valerie fund now, the Valerie Fund is very near and dear to my heart. Um, I had, within one year, three girlfriends, all their children under the age of 10, be diagnosed with some form of cancer. Mm. And the Valerie Fund was just so amazing and instrumental with helping them find the best doctors, not you know having them to worry about school because the schools, uh, the way it was rigged up, the kids could still be in a hospital and basically like zoom into the, you know, into that classroom. And there was a robot there that would help out. Like it was just amazing. And so when I heard about this, I was like, okay, I'll do it. Unlike everybody else, I was like, what's the smallest space in this house? <laughs> because a show house, you will come out of your pocket for it. And so I had to be very strategic because although, you know, I'm married and my husband does well for himself, I also do not use him as my wallet to <laughs> to fund what I need to do. Like I just like we do enough together where I'm just like I, now I can't like tap him for my business as well. 
although sometimes I think I do. Um, so when I went to the house, uh, like I said, it's in Plainfield, I think it was about 8,000 square feet. I walked in and everyone was like trying to get the living room, the dining room, the kitchen, everything big. And for me, I walked in and I saw this thing that says servant's hallway. So then I thought about it and I was like, well, if this was way back in the day, then this means this is where my family would have been living and this would have been their, their area. So I said, I'm going to do the servant's hallway. So I wanted to bring my girlfriend, Tina Ramshandani in. And I said, oh, you need to do this show house because she's a you know, New York designer. And she was like, no, no, no. So she, anyway, she comes out and it's funny. She's like, so what, what room are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm doing the servant's hallway. She was like, and what else? I said, that's, you're not just doing the servant's hallway. So we're walking down the hallway with the homeowner and she goes, what is this room? And I was like, oh, that's the bathroom. He goes, oh, that's taken. She goes, well, what is this room? He said, the laundry room. And she's like, who has it? And he said, nobody, she's taking it. And I was like, are you crazy? That's more money. Like, I'm like, all I'm doing is like paint and I have artwork that I can get donated. Like I'm good. And uh, Window Works did the window treatment for me. So I was like, okay. So I was like, all right, I, I could do, a, you know, I'll do the laundry room. And, you know, I did the laundry room and I, um, it was so great because the tile company that I dealt with out here, I had just done this big job for a client and they were like, don't worry about it. We'll donate the tile. I got the wallpaper donated. I got the window treatment. I got the fabric donated. Listen, I got everything donated. I only came out of pocket for the light fixtures. And I think that was $70, you know? So it was like, okay. So I did the hallway in the Benjamin Moore's yellow green. I didn't pick a soft color. <laughs> you did not pick a soft color. Hey, by the way, yeah. Erica, do we have do we have the image of this? So, Gail, did, okay, I we sent didn't it. it. It may have been. It may have okay. been some time. Yeah. So if okay. you go to my website, you'll see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go to the website because this is this is what I wanted to talk about. Um, you did not use a soft color. No. It is. No. It is powerful. Yeah. Here's what's interesting. You did a couple of things with this room. And again, after this, um, everyone go look at, uh, at Gail's website and, and look at this space. You did, you did the, the treads, the stairs, uh, you, you did the walls, you did, this, you did the ceiling in a different color because there's a step up, but the window treatments were this gold that there's sort of a play off of the, off of the yellow green. And then right. the light fixture at the end, it's not, it's not ostentatious. It just yeah. feels like it belongs there. Yeah. It was very much, um, it was the Akova light fixture. That there is the laundry room. Okay. I should have sent you the before picture of the laundry Holy, room. Holy, wow. That's amazing. It, it was just like a gutted space where you see, like I'm touching it, where you see the washer dryer, there was a hole there that you could touch the outside of the house. <laughs> like when we stepped in, it was like there was barely no, there was barely a, a floor. Like it was a piece of a floor. And I was like, oh my God. So I kept, if you look to the right, the blue, I kept the, um, the, their initial pieces that were there. That was the three drawers and then it opens up. Um, and what I did was I created a bar on the inside. So while you're doing the laundry, there you go. You could have your drinks. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really fun. If you look, I striped the a floor. Sneaky. 
Yeah. Oh my God. It was such a hit with people. Hey, Helen, um, Helena, would you do us a favor and mute your mic for us? Thank you. <laughs> you can hear, I can't hear anything. But you're, but you're right. It is sneaky. It's great. Yeah. So it, it just worked out because this, you know, I striped the floors and then I found this wallpaper and that's Pierre frame It's called RT and the fabric, the window treatment fabric is from, um, Cowton and Tout. I can't remember the, recall the name of it, but I just was like, you know what? I don't want to do a boring laundry room. I want it to be fun and I want it to be alive. So when you go in there, like you can just, relax you can sit on the lucite chair <laughs> and you can have your cocktails and you can read a book as the laundry is going because you know think about it, when most people do laundry you're running all around the house and if i could just sit still for a second and be like you know what i'm gonna read a book and have a cocktail while this is going until this is done then i was thinking how would i use it and then the artwork um i actually got from mason mason lane art uh she was really very generous so yeah that's the hallway <laughs> So the hallway... Sorry, like I not to interrupt, but I do want to take a moment to celebrate um, how, how, Gail, you used a tried-and-true penny-round tile. But that, was my, that was my next... <laughs> yeah, okay. It, no, it's fantastic. <laughs> you laid it's it in fantastic. a way that, that is really interesting and, and really brings a design moment to this laundry room without... I mean, obviously, you can't compete with that wallpaper, so you just went ahead and complemented it with very straight lines, but um, you, this is a really neat way of, of taking a tried and true ceramic tile and boosting it up a bit. So that's a really Thank neat you. design moment. Well, I have to tell you the tradespeople that were laying the floor because it's the hex penny tile. They're like, no, take this back. We'll get the round one. I was like, no, today you're going to learn how to do this. <laughs> I was like, today you're going to learn something different. You're going to bend to me as opposed to me bending to you. And they just laughed, but they were, they were super excited once it was in. And yes, this is the hallway. So the ceiling is uh, Benjamin Moore. It's an iridescent, I can't remember, probably maybe champagne color because I wanted the Kova light picture from Circle Lighting to just, you know, to really be the star of the show and just to like shimmer as the, uh, to shimmer and just let shine a bit. And yeah, I did the hallway in the green. So that if you go back one, that's a triptych, yes, picture that I, I got from Broadfoot and Broadfoot. And the art was so beautiful. And the reason why I chose that one, because once again, if my parents, if my, if my grandparents, my great grandparents worked in someone's home, I wanted it to feel, I wanted to have a picture of them. So it felt like they were home when they were away from home taking care of their, you know, own, you know, the homeowner's home. Um, and so it's funny because that picture really reminds me of my grandfather with my two aunts because he only had the two daughters. And that's like the protection and the love that he gave. That picture just resonated with me. So I was super excited and people would come up the stairs because when you go down the stairs there, you were going into the kitchen and the kitchen was green too. A different shade of green, but it was funny when people came up and they were at the top of the stairs, like I had people just come into the laundry room and they were crying. And I was like, what is wrong? They're like, that picture is so powerful. I'm like, thank you. I was like, I knew it was, but I didn't know people would take it that way. So it was just super interesting. It's interesting. It. It's really interesting to me 
that you were surprised by that response. And, and I, I will tell you why, you know, we, we talk all, often about the language of architecture. What doesn't get spoken about as often is the storytelling of design. Mm-hmm. And what's really interesting is, and I think you stumbled onto one of the greatest unknown secrets of design houses is you, you know, were I a designer, I would always pick the weirdest, oddest, smallest um, space because I feel like you can you can do you can do more with that. You can really show it's your chops. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. A bigger, it's a bigger impact, and I think it's so funny because in that house, that showcase, my space was the most talked about because of the colors, but also because it was like, wow, you know, you didn't you wouldn't have expected that. And it was funny. It was like, oh, you walk through the house. They're like, did you go see the laundry room? They're like, here's the laundry room. It's like the green hallway. They're like, oh, let me go down the green hallway. When that green went in, the um, <laughs> the flipper, the homeowner, Dan called me. He goes, well, that's green. That's some green you got going up on them walls. <laughs> was, that before, was that before or after he saw the laundry room? Oh, this was before. Like the green was the first thing to go up. And he was like, whoa, that's some green there. <laughs> I was like, send me a picture. And I was like, yeah, that's green. He goes, okay. And it was funny. Like the people that were on that floor, everyone was like texting me. Wow, that's green. And I go, yeah, that's green. So Josh, I'm going to interrupt again because I do want to share um, the designer who did the kitchen happened to use Walker Zanger. And I believe it's the same year. Um, is this it? Swati Gora, yes. Okay, great. So um, this is this used our uh, Bijou collection, but I just wanted to show uh, those who are joining us today that that the green kitchen um, and how you were able to. I mean, you know, you'd think of greens as competing, but I think in this instance they didn't. So no, and it's like really like tucked away was the stairwell, and you just came up yep. and boom, it was right there. And we yeah. didn't plan it. We didn't plan it. Right. Um, it just happened, but we did work closely together because we were trying to get product. Like I needed a washer dryer and she needed everything else, you know? And so we were finding people to donate and there was a family that was super generous that uh, gave us all of that, so. Thank you, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to show that. No, I think it's great. And I think it also sort of leads into another part of the design showcase house experience, which is, that design houses are a team, an individual sport within a team concept, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't have to have a great relationship with the designer who's doing the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Usually might be better if you do, but right. for both of you, but what really happens here, like if you look, the greens, they do not match, but they no. blend, they blend perfectly. You've got, the gold, you've got the gold tones, you've got the brownish yellows that, you know, everything seems to shimmer and shine in a syncopated way, which is really very cool. Did you work with the kitchen designer at all? Do you guys share notes? Do you talk at all? Nothing. You, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> it was just, we came together because, she, like I said, she was trying to get, you know, the refrigerator, the washer, the like, um, the dish, the dishwasher, the sink, like just different things that she needed. I was like, well, I need a washer dryer. If I find somebody, you know, I'll let you know, and I'll mention you. And when she found people, she mentioned me and we were trying to see what we can get. And we would 
reach out to each other daily in the morning and then at night be like, okay, what'd you find out? What'd you get? Okay, I think I found somebody. And then we both happened on this one person. And then the person who was a part of the show house was like, I went to um, elementary school with that person. I know that family. And then that's what sealed the deal. So then we just stepped back and she was able to go in and to secure all of that. And he was like, I'll give you whatever you need. He's like, I got the call from Swati. I got the call from Gail. But now that I know you're involved, I'll definitely help out. And it was, it just really, you know, you're, for me, I've done show houses and I'm about to do my third one. I will never pay for a show house. That's just what it is. I know a lot of people will come out of their pocket and pay for it, but it's all about networking. It's all about uh, relationships and it's all about communication. And for me, if you can borrow as much, you know, it was my second show house that I did for Burnettsville, um, that master bedroom suite, that was all Mitchell Gold, Bob Williams. They were super generous with me. You know, they gave me everything, the artwork, the rugs, the bedding, like everything. And that also uh, made my anxiety go away because then it was just one-stop shop and I knew when everything was being delivered and I just pointed where I wanted stuff to go. And then the tradespeople who were there for the show house, you know, once again, you've got to treat them really amazing. And especially we didn't have to pay for them. So it was, it was really good for me. And I was just like, you know what, be nice, be really authentic and just be super sweet to these people. Because one that, my that could have been my father my grandfather any of them working there and i always want to treat people with respect and dignity and those guys those trays they were so amazing to me they did anything and everything they would always check in with me when they knew i was on the premises what do you need i was like no no it's fine go ahead you're working with so-and-so and then at the you know towards the end i found out a lot of the designers in the show house were not nice to these people and just, you know, treated them so bad. And I'm like, you can't be that way. You like, you treat people regardless of their station or what they're doing or their, you know, what they're doing in life, you treat them with respect, period. Don't, you don't have to go, you know, you don't have to go rogue and be mean to people until they, like they show themselves, but just really be nice to people. And I cannot stress that enough. Treat people with respect and dignity. So uh, interesting that you say that, because I think that that sort of segues into, into something else that I wanted to talk about. I do want to find out, though. So, Erica, um, you have other pictures that Gail submitted, correct? We're going to get to those in, in a, a quick second. Um, backing up just a second, though, I think it's really interesting. Because um, at the same time, I, I kind of want to, want to challenge something that you said about Bunny, that happens to be true, is, and I heard Bunny say this, that she wanted, you know, when she walked into a finished project, she didn't want people to ever be able to say, oh, that's a Bunny Williams design. Mm, right, right. That's what she wanted. And it's very interesting. I think that's one thing to say it. At the same time, I am convinced that the, the strong creators of any type, fine artists, architects, designers, you are not married to a simple style or a list of styles. If somebody said to you, hey, Gail, I want you to go in and do a Spanish revival, or I want you to, to do this traditional or this Southern farmhouse, right. you, could, you could do it. And right. it, would be, it would be extraordinary. 
what would what would be different is that w- the through lines that make you individual your fingerprint you know your fingerprint in design right. the through lines the things that you do that really make you special that that make your your craft so unique will always be there so someone can still walk in and and maybe it doesn't say that this was a gail davis design but right. they may be able to say oh you know what i can recognize some of some of elements the- yeah. yeah you recommend you recognize elements but it's funny like I, I see people and they're like, well, I always make sure I do this in the room. I always make sure I do that in the room. Like they leave something behind. I'm like, it's not about you. It's really about the person that lives there. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's their home. They're paying the mortgage and the taxes. Let it be. <laughs> yeah. So uh, along with that is, I think that, that your personality and the manner in which you deal with people so important as you're as you're saying and i you know i'm curious even as a new designer did you always have that philosophy or did you have to learn it along the way um i want to say i've always had it and it's because of my parents and my grandparents and my great-grandparents i would in my 20s would be ashamed to say I came from working class. And now I like I wear it like a badge of honor. And it's just super important because I want people to really understand that you've got to, at the end of the day, be nice to people. And you've got to treat them with dignity and respect. And I just hope that that's how people operate because that's how I operate if that makes sense. Ooh, Josh, you're frozen. Is Josh frozen? Oh, he's coming back in. <laughs> I think that uh, that idea of empathy is really great. And, and while Josh is getting back in, I did wanna ask a question because I think it might help other designers, but could you talk a little bit about what your trade agreement is and, and maybe some, some tips and tricks in, in that? I think that okay. might be helpful because I don't know that everyone, sorry, Josh. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know that everyone has one, and I think it might help some designers that are that are on this session to hear what you have in your trade agreement. So in my agreement, it's funny, I actually got my trade agreement through a business coach, my business coach, Kimberly Selden. And it basically says, you will arrive every day at this time, and here are the hours. You will arrive with your tools intact. <laughs> Um, you will cover the flooring, you will, you know, no loud music, you know, um, no cursing, you will not park your vehicle in the driveway. Um, It's all of like the code of conduct of how you should behave. And there's no yelling and screaming on site. There's no leaving garbage behind. Like it has to be broom swept clean every time you leave. Uh, because if I decide to do a walkthrough, or I come through with my client, I don't want to see unsightly stuff. And, you know, it stemmed from being on a job site and walking in and they were not supposed to be using the bathrooms that they were installing and they were, and I won't tell you the stuff that we found. <laughs> yes. So you just want to be respectful. And that's super important because, you know, you, you set the tone with them of how to operate with you. And that's super important. And it, it sets the tone of the job site. 
just like any other job, there's a code of conduct. So it's really funny. You know what this reminds me of? Tell um, me. Are, are you familiar with the band Van Halen? Yes. Okay. I'm a Long Islander, of course. <laughs> okay. So here's what's so interesting. And I, I was thinking about this. I laugh about this all the time. Van Halen had, back in the 70s and 80s, had a clause in their rider. And the clause in their rider, in addition to all this stuff that they asked for at every concert, was to have in the dressing room a bowl of M&Ms with the brown M&Ms removed. That's funny. And that was in their, that was in their rider. And everyone said, why? That's just so stupid. The reason they had that in their rider wasn't because they didn't want the brown M&Ms. They wanted to make sure that their rider was being read. That makes sense. They wanted to know that whatever they were requesting was being honored because who, whomever was setting up their dressing room and, and fulfilling, you know, a certain number of towels. And so really smart. So when you're talking about a trade agreement, you know, not that anything is going to be, you know, superfluous or silly or, or just, you know, because, because it's based on ego. But I think it is really interesting, the things that one requests to make sure, because you talked about walking into spaces where the marble was not covered or walking in to make sure that the trades, and I feel like reading a, a, a trade agreement is, is tantamount to reading a rider where it's just really important for, to make sure that it's executed in the same way. And I'm curious, do you find, not with your regulars, but do you find that your, your contracts, your writers get, your trade agreements get read? Yeah, because they have questions. I mean, it's not like it's lengthy. It's just like five of like, this is what it is. And I, I don't do like a, was it the 12 point font? I do like an 18 point font to make sure that they see. <laughs> um, yeah, because they're just like, oh, I've, I've never had this before. Or, wow, what made you do this? I was like, well, it's just an agreement. I want to make sure we're on the same page. You know, I'm looking out for you the same way you would look out for me. Like, you always make it sound like you're doing someone a favor. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, and you're looking out for them. And, and it disarms them other than you, other than it looking like you're trying to come in and be the boss. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and that may, and I think that's a brilliant approach, Erica. Do we have those uh, images from uh, from Gail? Some of her, some of her other work. And right, while we so go, while we look at this, or while Erica is loading this up, I want to talk to you. I want you to address your your philosophy about color, because here we go from super vibrant. Mm-hmm. green hallway and that and that laundry room to something that is more subtle and subdued but at the same time you use the the earthy and subtle tones that really make an impact so it's not necessarily by the color itself but it's maybe by the absence of color or in the abstract that has right. created such a remarkable experience right so this was something so different and unique this show house um my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, I want to say about a year and a half ago, I'll say two years now. And uh, we were doing this with Connie Dwyer Foundation, I believe, or Susan G. Coleman, Connie Dwyer. I always get them so confused, I was pissing them off. Anyway, um, I designed this with my mom in mind. And, you know, my mother had just 
left New York. She sold the house at the age of 85 and moved to California. And that's where we found out she had breast cancer. And I wanted to design this for her to recover in, for her to, you know, recover and for it to be a retreat for her. Because also when you're going through that and you're coming home after chemo, you're not feeling your best and you're sick and, you know, you're not leaving to go anywhere or to be out anywhere. And so I just, she loves music. She loves flowers. She loves sitting down and reading. And I just wanted to pick a color that was very soothing. And then on the other side, I played along with the bed. I'm all about like, you know, the pillows and just give her some color there. And then um, I did a funky wallpaper, which you can see in the mirror. I keep pointing, sorry. Um, you can see a snippet of it in the mirror, but then if you look to the left, yes, right there, Erica. Uh, that's wallpaper called, um, oh my God, it's from the Vale London. I'll remember it in a minute. But it was just so amazing and it was just so visceral. Like it was just, just so beautiful. And I did the hallway, that, so that's the hallway leading to the master bath. And I did the ceiling in um, Benjamin Moore's first light, which is this very faint pink. And then in the master, in the water closet, I also did the ceiling in the same color. And then once again, that's Vail London, the marble tile wallpaper. And then I did a pop of orange, um, you know, cause you gotta fix yourself before you leave the water closet and see how fine you look. And I just did everything else as like a hotel suite. I know everyone's like, oh, you didn't go all crazy with the bathroom doing all different color tile. And I was like, no, I wanted it to be a full on retreat. I wanted it to be like she was in a hotel suite and like she got away, even though she's still at home. So yeah, I had fun with this and the light fixture is insane. Um, the artwork I just had fun with and the ceiling was, once again, this was another space where you could just touch the outside. And because the ceiling height is so high, I think it was probably like 15 feet, I did cathedral ceilings and I just, I was trying to get them to paint it, like to stain it black and they're like, no, we can't do that. We still have to put it up for sale. But I picked the darkest, brown that I could stain that was like reading black <laughs> to put it there. So when they came in, they're like, can we see where you were going with this? We should have trusted you. But yeah, I just, I wanted this to be amazing. And bedding is so important. That's the other thing. People just like half step on their bedding. Don't do it. Invest in your bedding. It's something amazing, especially if you get it custom made, which I'll admit I do. Um, and it can last seven years. So it's just beautiful. And you get exactly what you want. And it's you. It, it's what makes you happy. Yeah, it's beautiful. Absolutely stunning. Yeah. Um, I think you did a, a magical job on that. And it, it's really interesting to me, too, that, you know, how, how people would say to you, well, you, you know, you, you sort of toned it down. I, I think that there's an art to that as, as well as the art to the edit. You know, you, yeah. you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to have to just make it a, an explosion of design sometimes. Right. 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 No, it can be up. It's gotta be loud. It's gotta be, it, it can be all of that, but then there's also beauty and restraint and just pairing it back and pulling it back. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. With the few minutes, oh, did I freeze again? You're, you're frozen, but we can hear you. 
Oh, that's so great. Okay, there you go. You talk frozen. back a little. Okay, good. Um, I, I am having a we tech day you. like you would, like, I'm having a tech day like you would not believe. Um, with, the, with the last moments that we have together, though, I kind of wanted to circle back to the idea of activism, publishing, and making your voice heard. Is Gail still there? I think we lost Gail. <laughs> I'm telling you, this has did been- Did you curse us, Josh? I did not. I did okay. not. Absolutely. Right. No, but it's, it's one of those things where we have all had to learn to, yeah. to sort of navigate. And it's, you know, what's really funny too, is I have been, um, you know, doing the podcast, Erica, we've had this conversation doing the podcast for eight years now for seven of them. It's been all about recording live. This is, this is the first year that I've, I've had to record in a virtual capacity. <laughs> Thank you, Gail. Love this. Thank you, Walker Zanger, for your extraordinary partnership, and thank you for listening. My goal is to bring you the stories behind Sublime Design, wherever that may be, to share those stories, bring you business strategies to help you build a stronger firm, and inspire you to do your most creative work. For more, please follow us on Instagram at ConvoByDesign with an X. Check us out at ConvoByDesign.com. Until next week, be well and keep creating.